Hello, Dr. Ryan. This is Kyle Van Horn in South Korea. Uh, your podcast helps me on my long commutes to the university where I teach and also when I'm running out in the mountains. So thank you very much for that. And my kids want to say hello. 안녕하세요. 안녕하세요. 안녕하세요 from South Korea. What's up, Chris? This is George, a.k.a. Curious George, uh, in the mountains of Norway at the moment. I'm a Miami expat living here. And one of the few ways I keep my sanity is by listening to some interesting podcasts like yourselves. Thank you, man, for putting out such an awesome, awesome podcast. And uh, keep up the great work. Love you guys. Be good. Hey, Chris, and all the tangentially speaking family out there. This is Viante, 24 years old, coming from Pomona, California. Just getting off work, I got my hawk in the back seat. I'm a falconer and an abatement professional. Became a falconer after listening to episode 205 with Simon. Off work for a week, heading up north to do a Iboga retreat. Dive deep into the soul. Thanks for making these drives manageable, man. I'm sharing your podcast with everybody. Peace. Peace back at you. That last one was uh, particularly appropriate to this episode because Weston Trapp, in addition to being um, a veteran from the Iraq War, um, he was a, a sniper, he's a hunter, and he is a falconer. So we're going to be talking about all those things in this episode with Mr. Weston Trapp coming up uh, right after some crazy shit, including... Shout outs to various people reading lists of people who've contributed to the podcast and I don't know, whatever other things are on my list that I need that's lying around here somewhere. First though, let's do this uh, intro music, Bright Side of the Sun by Basin and Range, a band based in Portland, Oregon. It's, unless they've moved, it's been a while, but I think they're in Portland, Oregon. You can check them out at basinandrange.bandcamp.com dot com Radio Mano Papachango Cassie and I are back from uh, about three weeks on the road, and it was fucking fantastic. We're back in Topanga now, and just want to say thank you to everybody that we met on the road. Um, so many people were so kind to us, and it, it it's just the best possible way to travel, I'm telling you. We're in this van, Scarlett Johansson, which is very much a gift of this podcast in the sense that I sort of got off my butt and actually went to buy a van because I was thinking how cool it would be to take the podcast on the road. And then Oliver Thorpe of uh, Yanks and Lork, what is it? Yorks and Lanks? Yorks and Lanks Automotive here in um, LA. He got in touch and said, Hey, listen, your podcast, I'd love to help you with the van. And one thing led to another, and Oliver helped me buy the van. And then he basically renovated the whole thing while I stood there like an idiot handing him beers and tools. Uh, so I'm driving around in this van, which is, um, how can I say it? It's like a 
an artifact of love and friendship. I'm so fucking happy to be in it and it drives so well. And, you know, it's like I've got my own pit crew all over every time I'm back in LA. He, you know, adjusts this and lubes that. And I don't know what he's doing. He's like replacing belts that haven't even worn out yet just because he doesn't want them to wear out. I mean, it's, it's, I'm driving around in this chariot of love and friendship. It's wonderful. And then I'm posting on Instagram. Well, we're in New Mexico and people are going, oh, hey, you're in New Mexico. You should come by and, you know, park your van. I'd love to buy you a beer. I'd love you to meet my friends. I'd love you to, you should check out this. You should check out that. And we do. We follow up on this stuff when we can. And, um, you know, we're still batting a thousand. Everybody we've met through the podcast has been just fucking stellar and kind and sweet and deep and thoughtful and just wonderful so we did a guy named Luke I think uh, suggested that we do a little get together in Boulder and I was hesitant as I think I mentioned on an earlier rant uh, hesitant precisely because we like to keep the schedule very open so that we can adjust so if I get that email saying hey you should come you know, we got this ranch over here and we're doing a pig roast like, we, you know, in Oregon a few couple months ago. Whatever. We can adjust at the last minute. We're not like, oh, no, we have to be, you know, here on Wednesday. Cause so I'm hesitant to line anything up, but uh, we're in Boulder anyway. And I said, OK, let's let's we'll do a little get together um, on Monday night because I knew we, we had to be there Tuesday for something. And uh, so we. I put out some word on social media and I think like 40 people showed up at this, uh, this pub and it was great. It was really great. And the coolest thing about it was that everybody got to meet each other. And when we were leaving, I heard people making plans. We should, you know, we should do this. We should get together once a month. We should, you know, go hiking. We do whatever, hang out. So that's the best thing because I look at this podcast as like, a. I don't know. It's like a party. It's like a dinner party and everybody's invited and we're having it at my place. And if you can afford to throw some money in the pot to help pay for the beers and the burgers, then that's great. Um, if you can't, you're welcome to come and just chow down. And, uh, so that's kind of the way I look at it. And so it's really cool, not only for me to meet you and Casilda to meet you, but for you to meet each other. I think that's the the coolest thing about it. And the best thing about a party, when you see other people having a really good time at your party, then you know it's a good party. All right. So people who, I, don't, I, I mean, I don't want to go down a list of names because I'll forget people. There was a super cool guy in Tucson who took us out to his house with the puppy and the cats. I forget his name, though. See, that's the problem. I, I can picture you perfectly, but I'm so bad at this name shit. Um, anyway, Boulder, I got an email from a guy named Isaac, and he said, hey, if you're going to be in Boulder, I think you'd enjoy meeting my parents. Uh, my dad's an ethnomusicologist. My mom's a Zen chaplain and works with um, people who are dying. And uh, Yeah. And I thought, fuck yeah, love to meet your parents, man. So we uh, got in touch. Isaac's super cool. Really enjoyed hanging out with him. Did some camping with him. Uh, spent a few days. Hung out at his parents' place, which is just fucking Edenic. 
in Hygiene, Colorado. Beautiful garden, dogs, alpacas, chickens, cat. Really cool place. Um, just full of life and love and beautiful late afternoon sun coming through the windows. And uh, Weston, today's guest, is Isaac's best friend. They've been buddies since I think Isaac was born. I think Isaac's a few months younger. And uh, they so they grew up together. They're different characters. Um, but uh, he suggested maybe I'd like to, to meet Weston, and I'm really glad I did. He's a fascinating dude, as you will hear in this episode. Before we get to that, though, I want to do something I always think I want to do. I'm going to do, and I always forget to do it. I'm just going to read the names of some people who have signed up on Patreon this month. So it's uh, today is the 13th, so it's the first half of August. I'm not going to do this all the time, um, but I just want to shout out, uh, starting August 1st, I'm not even going to say the amounts because who cares, whatever. Some people, you know, the people have more cash, less cash, whatever. It's the thought counts for part of it. <laughs> not all of it, but part of it. David, uh, let's see. I'm I'm not reading the people who've deleted because they aren't uh, probably here to hear it anyway. Christopher, uh, thank you. Let's see. Uh, Sephora, uh, Matt, Alan, uh, Ryan, uh, Leah, David, Enor, James, Kevin. Thank you, Todd. Thank you, Jimmy, Craig, Jim, Isaiah, Jonathan. Thank you, Jorgen. I think that's how you say it. Jorgen. It's an O with a line through it. Uh, Roman or Roman. Not sure how that one works. Joshua, Elka, Elka. Is that Dutch maybe or Danish? John, another Ryan, Nicholas. Uh, another Nicholas. Jeez, I wonder if that's, well, that's two different Nicholases right after each other. Uh, okay, Joe, Lucas. Lucas spelled with uh, L-U-K-A-S-Z. That sounds like Czech or something. Yeah, okay, let's see. Who else we got? Mikkel, M-I-K-K-E-L. Well, that's a Swedish-looking name, maybe Danish again. Kevin. Douglas Maximilian. Wow, cool name, Maximilian. Uh, another James. We got a John. We got a Jeremiah. We got a Charles. We got a Benny. Thank you, Benny. We got an Alexander. We got a Colin. We got a Samuel. And we got a Jostein or Jostein. And Ashley, thank you, all of you. Now, before you think I'm getting rich on this, I haven't read the adjustments down or the people whose credit cards are getting <laughs> denied, all that kind of stuff. So I'm just, that's just the upside. Um, the Patreon thing was great. It sort of went up to a certain level and then it sort of leveled off at that. So I don't know, maybe that's just the amount of uh, the number of people in the pod, podcast audience who can afford it or get around to it or whatever, but I thank all of you and really appreciate the support. It pays for the diesel. It pays for the maintenance. It pays for the food when we're out on the road. I managed to do, I think, 12 podcasts in the three weeks or so that we were on the road. 
For those of you who don't follow me in social media, uh, if you want to, I'm that Chris Ryan on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, the itinerary of the trip was we left L.A., drove to Albuquerque, visited an old friend in Albuquerque, uh, just had dinner with her. Then we went up to Santa Fe, uh, Taos, went across northern New Mexico, which is really beautiful, uh, to Durango, Colorado, Durango west to uh, Mesa Verde, those um, uh, cliff dwellings, the Anasazi, I think they were, and then north from there up to Telluride, hung on Telluride for a few days. Then we went uh, sort of circled around back down to Durango through Silverton on the other the other way down there. Then we went across to Crestone, this very interesting little town. You'll hear a fair bit about that. I Last episode was uh, Seth, the pizza guy who lives in Crestone. So that's when we recorded that. Then we went up to Boulder, where we recorded this one and a few more, um, including, um, uh, what's his name? Ralston. Aaron. Aaron Ralston, who you may have heard of. He's the guy who was hiking, and he got his arm stuck between a rock and the cliff face, and he had to basically cut off his own arm to escape. There's a film made about it, 127 Hours, maybe, starring uh, James Franco. Uh, got a chance to sit down in the kitchen and talk to Aaron. That's coming up in a couple of weeks. And, uh, yeah, Boulder for a few days. Then we went back to Crestone because a couple, there's another podcast I wanted to record with a guy named Paul, a Dutch guy down there. Really interesting character. He's been all over the world, serious traveler, real, real fascinating guy. And he was one of the founders of an organization that eventually got government permission to do open-air cremations. It's the only place in the United States where it's legal to burn a body. And um, we were invited to attend a cremation, which we did there in Crestone. That was a very interesting experience. I'll, I'll have something to say about that when we do Paul's episode. That'll be coming in a few weeks. Uh, then from Crestone, we cut across, visited a friend uh, on a ranch, uh, Charis Ford. Uh, I recorded a podcast with him. He's formerly known as the Granola Ayatollah of Canola. He's an environmental activist and a rapper and a really thoughtful, funny dude. We hung out with him on this ranch where he's living um, in western Colorado, and then we headed back to L.A. from there. So that was pretty much our trip. I couldn't tell you my favorite place because there were so many just amazing, beautiful places and beautiful people that we met along the way. Can't wait for the next trip. But I'm also happy to be home. Home in quotation marks because that's as close as I get. Uh, back in Topanga, family and uh, my normal desktop computer rather than recording in the van on the laptop. So hopefully the sound quality is a little better and I'll get my shit together with the intros and the outros and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's like the the old school um, schedule, you know, the summer you kind of slack off and relax a little bit and then September is like, that's the new year. That's when things start again and it's fresh, so... Yeah, I have my September resolutions. <laughs> we'll see about that. Anyway, 
This is Weston Trapp. Uh, I really think he's a special dude, and um, I'm happy to have people on the podcast who are very different from me. I mean, everybody's different from me, but um, sometimes these these veteran military guys feel like they're the most different from me in some ways. And they're adventurous, and they're open-minded, and they're thoughtful, um, but they did something that I would resist doing with every fiber of my body which is go to boot camp that's uh not something i've ever had the slightest attraction to do but uh, i respect people who do it and i'm interested in their their thinking all right i'm gonna play you a song by that somebody sent in uh this guy's name is goliath something or other all right his name is goliath flores and uh, his website is goliathflores.com. That's G-O-L-I-A-T-H. And Flores is F-L-O-R-E-S dot com. And the song is called I Don't Think You Understand. Interesting tune. Uh, amusing lyrics. I hope you enjoy it. And I hope you dig this episode with Mr. Weston Trapp.
All right, ladies and gentlemen, I am here with Weston Trapp, who uh, is, this is the, uh, what is this, the third in a series of Friends and Family of Isaac (laughs) podcast. Uh, Isaac, you should start your own fucking podcast, man. Dude, I'll do it with you, man. You got all these interesting people around. I think we should do it. I'm into it. Hi, everybody. <laughs> so you uh, are are the uh, second son of this lovely couple that I've been hanging out with here. Yeah, the unofficial second son. Yeah, uh, unofficial, official, sure. Unofficial, right? So you sort of grew up uh, around here. Yeah, yeah um, in, we're in Boulder, Colorado, by the way. Yeah, or hygiene, actually. Yep, just outside Boulder. So I, Isaac's mom and my mom were best friends forever. So. Um, they got pregnant about the same time and same guy i'm we're not totally sure i mean we kind of look alike my beard's a little better than his so i think it's probably different um but i was born and he was born three months three days and three hours after me and we've been best friends ever since you've been a little ahead a little bit but he's been ahead in some areas yeah like i said we switch back and forth with the favorite position right right fair enough uh Okay, so you, uh, I heard about you. <laughs> it's always a dangerous thing. <laughs> I heard. See where this goes. No, what, okay. what I've heard about you is like you are like this badass dude, serious hunter, serious fisherman, vet, uh, sniper in Iraq. Falconry. That was the other one. That's right. I wondered why he was waving his arms around. Uh, yeah. So a lot of interesting things to talk about here. I, I talked to a falconer. I don't know if you you probably didn't hear the podcast, but probably I probably know him. We all know each other. Well, he lives in Holland. Oh, really? Yeah. And he's a marijuana. Um, he, he started one of the first seed banks in Holland. And he's a falconer. And he's a falconer. And he actually got into weed by way of falconry because okay, had that work. Well, he wanted, I guess in Holland, you need a some sort of a license or, mm-hmm. you know. For falconry? Same here? Yeah, yeah. for sure. Okay. It's, a, it's really, we can talk about it in a minute. Yeah. It's a crazy process, but yeah. Yeah, like it's very serious. Mm-hmm. And in Holland, there's a limit because there's not much land, I guess. There's a limit to how many people can have those. So someone oh, has to die for, you know, one to open up. Whoa. All right. And so it was going to be, you know, five or six years till he could get one. Sure. Or you could fly to... Rhodesia, it was in those days, now known as Zimbabwe, get your license there, and then you could transfer it into the country. That's really So that's how hardcore he was. He flew to Rhodesia, spent six months or something down there, captured a 
sure falcon or i don't remember what his bird the first vestral or something i don't remember anyway he learned you know had a teacher there and all that and while he was down there someone gave him some weed and he was like whoa what's this this is interesting he's a biologist mm. so that sort of the two things appeared i mean the marijuana came in through the falconry interesting wow simon yeah huh. interesting dude everybody's kind of got an interesting story behind how they got into falconry that's it's not a sure. common like how what's your story how'd you get in um, I got into it because, well, I moved out to California. My ex-girlfriend at the time, she was on The Voice, and I, being a good boyfriend, I, she wanted to move to California and pursue her dreams and everything. So we moved out, and for the first month or so, we stayed with a family friend, um, and I we drove out there. We had her car and my motorcycle and a trailer on the back, and we pulled up, and it was kind of sunset and i just got off driving eight hours so i was kind of just walking around this little ranchette in los olivos and i walked around the back of the house and there's these big cages i'm like what the fuck is going on here i can cuss on here right no no this is child friendly shit fuck kids i can't believe you brought hey, me on this show kids, I know. <laughs> this isn't my demographic man <laughs> um, this is mr rogers podcast <laughs> he was a sniper um was he yeah full sleeves too I didn't know that. Yep, I knew I, I knew Doctor Ruth. Yeah, was a sniper. She was terrifying. Yeah, yeah. There's snipers hiding everywhere, man. Nobody That's told what they you do. <laughs> <laughs> Mister uh, Rogers was a sniper. As, World War Two, I guess. I'm not sure what it was actually, but yeah, I, I've never seen wow. the sleeves, but the rumor is full sleeves. What does that sniper. mean, full like, sleeves? Tattoo sleeves. That's why I always had the. Long sweater. The sweaters, yeah. no kidding. That's what I've heard from oh, I somewhat you meant credible like, sources. Like top level oh, no, snipers no, 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 are no, known no. as full sleeves. No, or something. no, no. Okay, we're known Unrelated. for having the best hair, but not I think he had a pierced penis too. That I'm just making that maybe. Up. Who I don't knows? Know. At this point, they call it a Mister Rogers. Let's put it out there. Yeah, that, yeah, that's a fact. It could be. It's. It is now fake, it's true on, fake news. There, it's folks. On, it's on the internet, or it's going <laughs> to be. It's so going to be. <laughs> yeah. Um, All right. What are we talking about? Big yeah, cages. You yeah, saw the big cages. Yeah. So I walked around the back and walked up to this cage, and he had um, three Harris hawks. Yeah. And I just came back inside the house. I'm like, so what the fuck is going on out here? And he's like, you know, I could tell you about it. I'm a falconer, but why don't you just come hunting with me tomorrow? And he oh, took me out shit. hunting with him, and it was. You know, he hunted with Harris Hawks, which are the only um, only birds that work together in a group. Normally, they're all... Simon told me yeah. that. And they're native to the American Southwest. Yep, yep yeah. for sure. They'll, uh, like, they'll, they'll chase a quarry like a pack of wolves. Mm-hmm. They'll, they'll relay and, yep. yeah. It's super Crazy. cool to watch him work. And he works with two dogs as well. And sometimes he rides his horse with the birds <laughs> and the dogs. What's he hunting? Um, he mostly hunts rabbits out there for the most part. It's a lot of work for a fucking rabbit. It's more about the experience, to to be totally honest with you. The amount of time it takes is just, it's unreal. So anyway, he took me hunting with him, and I got out of the car, and we were walking around for maybe five, ten minutes and just working, watching a dude work with, you know, two pointing dogs and these three hawks. Oh, he takes all three out at once. Oh, yeah, the dogs will help flush or point out rabbits, and then the birds actually pay attention to the dogs, and they know when the dogs are pointing at something, and, and it just five minutes i was like fuck i gotta make this happen this is the coolest thing i've ever seen really so from that point it was a full year before i um was ready to take my falconry test you have to take a federal and state test 
Um, you have to get a certain percentage on that, and that covers ecology, falconry practices, diseases, regulations. It's I don't think I've ever studied so hard for something, and it was it was intense. And then after you pass that, you have to find a master falconer to take you on as an apprentice for a full year. So it was a two-year process to get um, you know my apprenticeship done and everything. And now I'm a general-level falconer, and I'm in between birds right now, just moving to Alaska in the spring and everything. I just don't have the time to get a bird and do the amount of training because it's just the amount of time it takes is just unreal um but i got into it mostly because i had just gotten out of the military and was trying to tone down my life a little bit um you know i got i you know i was a sniper and shooting a bunch and i did the competitions and my you know combat deployment and everything and when i got out i needed to i got out because i knew i would never be this the same again if i stayed in and kept doing what I was doing. Um, I was really going down the path of, you know, going SF and doing career and everything. And I came home for a couple SF weeks. SF Special Forces? Yeah, Green right. Beret. Um, so you were regular Army? I, I was in a reconnaissance unit. So I was regular Army in a recon unit. Right. Um, so the next step was kind of going SF. And uh, I came home for two weeks and just kind of saw how much I had changed and it was in a lot of ways that I didn't feel great about um you know I was really good at what I did but when it came to interacting with normal people and stuff it was just I just got a perspective and uh I went back and at that point kind of decided I want to get out so when I actually finished my contract um I came home and just tried to tone everything down um I stopped shooting for the most part, I still keep up the skills and stuff, but I've actually kind of gotten a little gun shy a little bit. That's why archery has been such a huge mm. passion for me. But, mm. you know, I got into the falconry thing because it forced me to go outside and have quiet time. You know, I had to take my bird out and fly it four or five, six days a week and just train with the bird, which forced me to go out and be outside and just slow everything down. So I credit falconry and fly fishing with a lot of my recovery and being able to sit down and have a normal conversation with people at this point right so you said that you felt that if you stayed in longer you wouldn't be the same i'm definitely not already not the same but i yeah. if you i just knew that if i continued down this path of doing deployments and doing those combat roles and it's you know it takes a big toll there's like a point of no return or something i think so for sure you yeah. know and seeing it with other people and everything and you know hearing the stories about you know and i had guys in my unit who got out spent a few years in the civilian world and had to re-enlist again because they just yeah. you know it rewires you so yeah yeah it's funny you hear that same sort of thing about prison sometimes yeah absolutely people get out and they're like fuck i can't do it yeah here. absolutely and they enjoy prison at that point because you know they, they, they know, know how to shit works and yeah. know how to interact with everything and it makes yeah. sense you know yeah i was you know it took me two three years to really have my feet under me again you think yeah i got i got my buddy isaac my yeah. brother from another mother sitting over here he's give it he's got my uh cue cards and everything held up <laughs> <laughs> so uh what would you say was the main issue? I mean, were you... It's, it's funny, PTSD, you know, 
I can't imagine anyone not having PTSD after any sort of action. Sure. Um, whether you know you're killing other people or people you know are being killed or or just bombs going off in the vicinity or going out every day knowing this could be it like whatever it is for sure um how did it manifest in you was it rage was it sleeplessness was it Mm, how i mean real short trigger that was definitely i mean you you spend so much time training yourself to respond to a situation and you have to go from zero to ten and be willing to do whatever it takes to live through the situation and overcome whatever you have to overcome in that situation. So you spend all this time training to do certain things to deal with a situation that never happens in the civilian world. Right. So I think, I mean, the biggest thing for me was, you know, running around and having this mentality of being able to go from zero to 10 and like still being in that, you know, fight or flight survival sort of mode. Right. And walking around fucking Boulder and there's, right. you know, hippies and flip-flops. It's just yeah. not, you know, and that was really hard for me, too, because I'm just like, I nobody, I can't talk to anybody about this. And nobody understands what that transition's like, especially in Boulder, um, as much as I, you know, I, it's my hometown. I love it. But God damn it, it's just going it's in a direction I want nothing to do with. Um, Which is what the whole fleece Patagonia, <laughs> yeah, that and the thing. whole tech industry moving there, and there's uh, just too many goddamn people in Colorado at this point, right? You know, everybody the, the secret got out, and yeah. now everybody's moving here, so I'm out moving to Alaska. <laughs> yeah, the problem with Colorado is like it's it's as beautiful as places like Idaho and uh, Montana, but it's cool mm-hmm. the whole marijuana thing it's and, awesome, and heckin looper hip, or whatever his name is kicking <laughs> yep. looper yep. yeah it's like so so people like me are like fuck i'm gonna go to colorado it's beautiful and cool yep. you know and, and cheap compared to california fuck not anymore man it's yeah. rivaling it at this point yeah i know i saw some i was in telluride recently oh it's my like God, it's like is, malibu what are dude, you talking about that place is just an interesting spot you've got like all the locals and then on the other side of the mountain you've got the mountain village and it's like elder they keep like <laughs> the poor and the rich on the other side of the mountain from yeah each other. it's hilarious yeah with a free gondola yeah, yeah exactly yeah that's the only way to get back and forth is the gondola <laughs> Yeah. It's fun. My brother lived down there for a little bit. I've had some fun down there for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh all right, wait, where was I going? I forgot. Where are we I've, yeah, just the whole transition. Mm-hmm. The yeah, the, the idea that everybody who who has that kind of disruption in their life, yeah, hypervigilance. Yep. Absolutely. You're just like turned on, the gain is up all the time. Yep. Yeah. 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 So I, I And mean, also you can't just walk into strangers palaces and take a shit <laughs> well you can i mean if you're wearing the right uniform you can walk into anybody's place and take a shit if you want to all right so so let, let's get into that so people know what the fuck we're talking right. about everybody's like uh, <laughs> why are you huh? saying that chris tends to talk about shit at inappropriate moments but this takes the cake but this one you know this one is relative it's fine uh, relevant information. so in you know we're not going to talk about specifics sure. uh, of your missions and and all that kind kind of stuff um but <laughs> but there is the story. you did take a shit a in few a, times, yeah. a few shits in interesting spots you want I to talk did. about that yeah so well for the majority of my deployment um i was in solder city 
And then we were kind of just... That's down south? It's right outside Baghdad. It's kind of a suburb-ish of Baghdad. That, that, and that whole Sadr Army thing. It's not a good spot. I yeah. wouldn't recommend it for vacations. Right. Um, Cheap real estate, though. Very, Cheaper than Telluride. Probably. You don't know if you're going to hang on to it very long, <laughs> but yeah, you could probably get it pretty cheap. Yeah, yeah. Um, but we uh, spent a couple weeks at Saddam's main palace complex, and because of a Air Force connection I had, I got to basically go through the whole palace with him and check everything out and check out the general's office and then uh i kind of decided that you know i gotta use the bathrooms here as much as possible so i managed to take three shits over the course of a couple days in saddam's toilets which really gold plated they didn't have the gold plated ones there i think those Mm -hmm. got moved at some point Uh, they're just regular but it was pretty crazy any sex toys in the bedroom not i think everything got cleared out by the first guys in there i'm sure oh, they, okay. you know it was a trophy thing now yeah. yeah i'm sure they're taking gold toilets as soon as they see dildos <laughs> yeah whatever man yeah i got to sit in the throne chair and stuff and yeah yeah so that was you know was it tacky it was pretty ridiculous yeah yeah absolutely like, like liberace's house it's or pretty something. bad man yeah. it's like the most expensive chandelier in the entryway in the entire world and that's impressive but yeah, I don't know. I'm not a big fan. That's a that's a red tail. Sorry. Oh. Yeah. I was, yeah, I heard that. <laughs> that, that sharp yep. high. Yep. That's a yep. red tail. Yeah, I can notice. Red tail hawk. Yep. Yeah. Somebody's getting too close to the nest or something. Huh. Anyway, um, yeah, I'm not a big fan of gold in general. So yeah. walking in there was just like, what the fuck? Yeah. But you know. And you swam in the pool too. I did. Took a few dips in the pool. Yep. Got to enjoy it while I'm there, man. Yeah, a pool in Iraq is a pretty. Yep. If if the water's clean. Yeah, it actually wasn't bad. Very heavy chlorine. There's a bunch of army dudes swimming in there, so they up the chlorine a lot. Yeah. Yeah, There's a lot of stuff they got to kill off. So. (laughs) I went swimming, or I went uh, fishing in one of his moats too, and caught a fish and slid down the bank into the water yeah. trying to land this fish <laughs> and uh yeah i had a camera at the time and i was trying to bend over and take a picture and i ended up sliding in and my camera went off right as i was going into the water and i have this picture of like the splash coming over the camera that fried my camera and everything else yeah. it was awesome but yeah those were the high points of yeah. the deployment for sure how long were you in country uh, a year a year yep and in the service um, three and a half yeah i think that's right yep went in did the thing and why that's a good question um i partially felt an obligation being you know this well-to-do upper middle class white kid from boulder to get involved in something that boulder people just protest about and actually see what's going on um you know, and I grew up outside shooting, chopping down trees, camping, doing man shit. So that's kind of the ultimate man test is, you know, go to the military. So, yeah, I didn't really, you know, I had done some college and stuff, but it just wasn't resonating with me. And it just, I just kind of was looking for a little bit of direction and thought I could, you know, be a good influence or something. I, I always had this idealistic sort of thought process. Well, like, you know, I was brought up right. And, you know, if I was put up in this fucked up situation, I'd do the right thing and encourage others to do the right thing. And, you know, and I, and when I left, a couple of the guys on my team said that I made a really big difference for them and how they thought about things and doing the right thing was something that they said they got for me. So I guess in the long run, it kind of worked out and I kind of got to 
promote what I wanted to promote with it. What do you feel about that war now on a macro level? I mean, oh man. So you're you did the right thing and encouraged people to do the right thing on mm-hmm. a personal level. Sure. Do you feel like we as Americans were doing the right thing on a I global don't. level? I really don't. And I'm into all the conspiracy theory shit too, so that doesn't help my perspective on this at all. So I'm like just what, what shit do you, you know, just the all the everything. Rothschilds are behind everything and yeah. the UFOs or or got lizard people in Congress and all sorts of stuff. It's just fun. It's for Wait, fun. Wait, you believe that? No, but I no. Enjoy, I thoroughly enjoy it. But I do oh, okay. think the banking complex and everything is real and Right. So, you know, the reasons why we were in Iraq in the first place, I have questions about. Yeah. You know, we definitely have not left that place in a better state of things. So, you know, the Afghanistan thing, I wasn't there. Um, I can understand that. That's a more direct correlation. But then who knows? To Osama. Yeah, sure. But then who knows if 9-11 was an inside job. So, I don't know, man. It's, you know, I think the biggest thing that, I took away from it and certainly my family took away from it because nobody was in the military in my family. I was one of the first in our whole line to do it. Um, and they were always, you know, against us foreign policy and all the wars we get involved in. And the biggest thing we all took away from that was it's not the soldiers making these choices and that there's a difference between not supporting our foreign policy and the wars we're involved in and supporting the people who are just, trying to do the right thing you know the the actual soldiers um so so what would you say to a young guy now who's thinking about things the way you were then yeah that's yeah i struggle with that one a lot because i taught you know i now that i'm on the other side of it i have people reach out all the time like hey you know my little brother's thinking about it or my nephew's thinking about it um and i think everybody should make the choice for themselves and try and do it from a clear place um, that's not influenced by anything. You know, if they really feel like that's what they want to do, then fucking go get it, man. Um, but do you know... See, here's the thing. Like, all right, I have a buddy who's a SEAL, mm-hmm. right? And we were talking about this recently, and he said when young people reach out to him, he's like, don't. Don't. Because you don't understand. Like, you're saying you want to go be tested and you're going to do the right thing and blah, blah, blah. But what you don't understand is that once you sign up, you're no longer in charge of what you do it's not your fucking decision absolutely go blow up that fucking village yep you don't get to say that's not the right thing to do i'm not going to do it yep you fucking do it absolutely and i got really lucky where i didn't have to get put in those kind of moral compromising positions i'm Mm. super thankful for that wow um so you felt like and you know ignore me if if this is getting into that area (laughs) everything was clear everything was clear and you felt like what you were asked to do was justified was appropriate yeah. really mm-hmm. wow you're really lucky yeah absolutely i never discount that and i'm always super thankful for that Did, was there a mechanism for you to back out if you didn't feel that probably not um you know and the, but you know that's part of it but i just i'm a firm believer that if somebody really everybody's going to have a different experience they could go in you know and i know people who did 20 30 years and loved every minute of it would wish they could do it again and you know i know people who went and had one tour and are severely fucked up for the rest of their life and you know you just don't know and it's not 
it's not up to me to make that decision for somebody. Um, I encourage people to really think about why they're trying to do it. You know, if it's, I don't have any other option, <laughs> I don't think that's a good reason to do it. Um, hmm. I would think that's the best reason. <laughs> maybe the only one. Maybe, but man, that's that's shitty. If you really can't come up shitty. with anything in the civilian world and your r- real last last resort is joining the military, that's and I know that's probably a reality for people. But I mean, some of these towns for sure. Drive through, what are you going to do? Like it's your only way out. Uh, but I I I will never discount the creativity of people. Yeah. I mean, look at what humans do. It's Although, amazing. aren't there like situations where judges will say either join the military or go to prison? I've heard rumor of that, but I don't yeah. know if that's a real thing. Huh. I definitely heard about some <laughs> less than appropriate recruiting tactics back in Vietnam and stuff, like uh, yeah. getting dr- guys drunk and signing them up, and they yeah. wake up on the bus the next morning. Yeah, um, but they still I, call that Shanghaiing. Yeah, yeah. I don't yeah. think they still do that kind of shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, what do you think about the draft? Would that be a, an improvement? Um, if you ask me honestly, I think everybody should have to do a mandatory military service. And they should have to work in a restaurant for a year of their life, too. <laughs> so it'll be nicer to wait. Just to understand, just, yeah, your ranch is not that fucking important. And granted, <laughs> I get superheated when I don't get the ranch, but it's just ranch at the end of the day. What, ranch? What is ranch? It's fucking mayonnaise with like, I don't know. It doesn't matter. It. It's awesome. I don't care. You really? Yeah. I, I, I don't think I've ever ordered ranch dressing. Do you eat wings? No. What? Wings are garbage. Wings are what they used to make cat food out of, and then some marketing guy came up with a way to trick hipsters into paying for it. This Sir? interview's over. I can see. I just lost him. <laughs> he's that short trigger is. Holy shit! He's gonna like. I don't even. Know, right I don't now. even know how to. No, I don't yeah. eat ring, wings, man. I don't eat chicken heads. I don't eat chicken Who feet. Eats chicken heads. Well, they'll be selling them soon, dude. My wife eats chicken heads. She says it's the best part. That's a, just a real big jump, man. <laughs> that's a really big jump. Really, from a wing, wing to a head, it's six months. I mean, six inches. What yeah, I talking about? Yeah, that's. <laughs> <laughs> It's yeah. not about the inches, man. <laughs> I know. Sorry. Six inches. It's six inches. <laughs> no, actually, it would be like this. Ah, fish uh, stories, too. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, All right. So you're into wings. Jesus. Buffalo wings. See, I think wings are just a giant scam perpetrated on the American hipster and uh, veterans. Isaac, yeah. who did you bring me to <laughs> sit down with, bro? You didn't tell me. Isaac says, like, don't. Talk don't about talk the specifics in Iraq bring up the wings. or the wings. <laughs> so you're a um, falconer who eats wings. I don't know. I don't know. Do you feed like little frozen chicks to your birds? Yeah, for yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah, frozen chicks are good. Frozen mice. Um, you know, you try and feed them stuff they catch. I mean, that's... But, you know, I... So I've worked with a few birds at this point. Um, I work with my master's finished goshawk. Um and then I've had a couple red tail and a kestrel and yeah I caught a prairie falcon but it was just not not what I was looking for I was trying to run a prairie falcon before I moved to Alaska and and I put 13,000 miles on my truck trying to catch this bird <laughs> wow uh, it was a real worse than the dog running away yeah, huh? it was rough man yeah but yeah so I don't know we'll see what happens when we go to Alaska book, you read a book called 
F is for Falcon. I've heard about it a bunch, but... It's good. Is it? Uh, well, it was, for me, it was really good. Yeah. And apparently the woman who wrote it is a Falconer yeah. and really knows it. And for sure. It was very much about her... I mean, it's an interesting book because a lot of it is about her grieving for her father, I think, sure. who had died recently. Yeah. But it's also very much about her relationship with this bird as mm -hmm. a goshawk. Um, yep, that's right. And just the way they think and the, mm -hmm. the way, like interaction with this alien being and i really got a sense for how alien it's pretty interesting that it's is. being around something that has like zero emotional connection is just and is just hardware to kill stuff is yeah you know it's it's cool it's cool to work with something like that where the whole relationship is not based on emotion at all um was that you talked about this being a bridge out of the military oh. mindset. Is that part of it? Is there because there's like a very deep because <laughs> I could just relate more to something that had no emotion. Well, I mean, um, isn't that what you're trying to get to in boot camp? Is like yeah. you don't think about it, you yeah. don't feel it, you do it. They definitely train you to shut a lot of stuff down. So yeah, I think I don't know if I made that connection directly or not. I think it was just really interesting for me to just spend that much time outside and then be working with an animal that didn't care about how much I cared about it. Um, yeah, pretty one way. Yeah, super one way. I'm like, I love yeah. you so much and it would just claw the shit out of me and it's just like, this is like some of my ex-girlfriends. <laughs> um, <laughs> that was a cheap shot. I'm cheap sorry shot. if any of yeah. you are listening. You want me to edit it was, that out? No, it's fine. It was the funny thing to say. <laughs> and then they fly away yeah. and shit on you. Yeah. On the way out. But, you know, yeah. if you love it, let it... Fly. I think yeah, that's let it yeah. claw the shit out of you. That was the some like second verse. Yeah, I think that's right. What the fuck does Sting know? I don't. I mean, he knows Roxanne. Hooker. She was a hooker. They with have, a heart of gold. Yeah, they have feelings too. Yeah, that's what I hear. Yeah, I. I don't know. I, I always thought Sting was a real asshole. <laughs> but. Uh, I never met him, but I've never met him either. But then the, there was a picture of him in Rolling Stone reclining on an ottoman, reading a copy of Sex at Dawn. And I'm like, fuck, I love Sting. Nice, that's what a awesome. great guy. Yeah, what a that's a nice shout out. Yeah, I'll take that. Yeah, and I kept thinking you know, we were going to get invited to his estate in Italy or wherever the fuck he lives, and never Nothing. came through. So now I hate him. Yeah, again. fuck him. Fuck that guy. Yeah, unless you're listening, Sting. <laughs> and then uh, <laughs> can I come to the? <laughs> Italy property too. Yeah, it's like Coke. I hate Coke unless you have some. Unless you yeah. got some. Yeah, yeah. I've got one of your CDs somewhere, man. We can talk. <laughs> so I heard you just got a bow. I did. I just got a bow. It's sort of half a bow. I thought it was a whole bow, but it's, <laughs> I didn't know. It was like buying a car, and after I bought it, the seller was like, by the way, you're going to have to get some brakes for that thing. Like, oh, really? I thought it came with the brakes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Compound so, bows, man. Yeah, it's a compound bow. Uh, my buddy Kyle is setting it up for me. He's taking it to his shop and getting all the sweet the stabilizer and the this and the that. And Quiver the and eye drop yeah. away in sight and everything. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. You're going to have fun, man. That's been another one of my therapies is just going out and shooting the bow. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I, I got a target like two months hey, ago awesome. it's been sitting there in the yard just, just waiting just glaring at you like you can't hit me <laughs> exactly come on thought you were gonna shoot me no nice uh, yeah so i'm looking forward to that and and, and the the idea is to go to hawaii and uh yeah wild boar hunting and it's so fun i did yeah. a pig hunt last year and it's the most fun 
hunt I've ever done. Really? I, yeah, I can't wait to do it again. Why? Why? Why is it more fun? Um, I think psychologically the fact that they're an invasive species and they're fucking everything up so bad, mm. you kind of get a little more. I mean, I don't enjoy killing. But pigs, you kind of enjoy it a little bit more. And they're just aggressive. You, oh, yeah, they're super nasty. Yeah, yeah, they'll eat their own, and they, yeah, it's they're they're not yeah. the cute little pigs everybody yeah. thinks of when they think of like Charlotte's Web and stuff. They're big nasty things that fuck up the land and yeah, and in Hawaii they fuck up the sea too because they dig up the earth so much, and then when it rains, the it soil runs off out. and kills this coral. Crazy. Yeah, so that that's exactly why I am starting my sort of hunting experience with that because I feel like, look, the Hawaiians want them out for sure. They're they'll fuck me up if they get a chance. So there's some self defense kind of absolutely. But I was talking to a hunter recently, the the tank commander. But uh, they're also delicious. You forgot. And that they're that. delicious. Yeah, they're super tasty. Yeah. Um, and I sort of ran, went through that with him, and he was like, mm, "I would caution you not to." Uh, not to tell yourself stories to justify why you hunt. Hmm. Interesting. He was like, because it's always a temptation, mm -hmm. but in his experience, it felt like bullshit. And and he was like, look, hmm. do it because you enjoy it. For sure. You know, but resist the urge to tell stories to yourself to make it more acceptable. I thought that was an interesting... It's thinking into it a lot. I mean, yeah. when I'm hunting elk or pronghorn and stuff, that's... You know, that's a native species that's supposed to be there, and it f feels like a direct, more primitive challenge versus uh. a pig hunt that it's more of like a community service sort of thing. Right. Um, like kill environments. Kind of. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't really think about it that much. I just, you know, I went down to Texas with actually my falconry master, him and I went down. Um, the guy who did my whole apprenticeship and everything, we're still friends. He's actually one of my clients now. Um, but yeah, we went down and just, it's it's an interesting culture because we got down there and I was getting my tag for the week and I was like, so, you know, what's the deal? How many do you, how many do you kill? And they're like, kill all of them. Kill as many as you can. Hmm. It's like, okay, it's going to be like that this it's week. Like no limit thing. No. I but, mean, they mess everything up so much. It's yeah. We were walking around this ranch property, and there's these giant holes in the middle of their crop fields. Huge. Maybe 15, 20 feet across, four or five feet deep. Like a tractor all falling. Yeah, yeah, huge. And I came back to the house that night, and I was like, you guys building something out there? What's going on? And they're like, no, that's the wallows. That's the pigs. They're making that big of a hole in the fields. Looking for roots or mushrooms roots or something? It, when it's wet, they're wallowing in it to cool oh, off and everything. But it's just the amount of damage they're doing to the land and everything is just crazy and they have massive litters mm -hmm. i mean like three a year or something yeah i can't remember the exact ones but they start breeding at like nine months and they yeah. can have three litters a year and it's just if they <laughs> i mean they hunt them with mini guns on helicopters in texas and they still can't control the population so that tells you how fast they can yeah reproduce and they're not eating them I imagine. Um, no, there's a bunch of prog programs where they are. I think I heard about programs where they were doing um, homeless shelter stuff. And, mm. you know, a lot of people eat them. They're really good eating. Yeah. I, you know, I had heard, like, oh, you can't shoot them if they're over 200 pounds because they're really rough. And I shot a few over 20 pounds, and they were fucking delicious. Mm. So, I don't know. Maybe some people just don't know how to cook them properly. Yeah. And I guess it matters how quickly you field dress it as well. 
Yeah, that's true with anything. Yeah. Just making sure it's taken care of. You know, even if it's pigs, you're still taking life, and it's really important to be respectful of that animal and take care of it properly and utilize as much as possible. I believe that with anything that I'm hunting. But pigs was just, I don't know, it just, some of the pressure was kind of off with that. Um, Yeah. When with yeah. elk, are you shooting a bull or cow? Um, usually going for mature bulls that have had a chance to, you know, breed and, you know, spread their genetics and everything. And, I, you know, the ideal situation is when you get one that's on the kind of end of its life. It's kind of on that downhill slope. It's kind of not, you know, it's not getting better. It's is it a, a bull that's with the cows? Um, they're harem, right? Yeah, usually the bulls with the cows are usually at their peak. Um, That's when they're breeding the most and everything. And then the younger bulls come in and displace them. Yeah, they try to. And then once they're not a lot, not, they get to a point where they're not really competing as much directly with the herd. Um, So you get these just monsters that are just kind of out on their own, doing their own thing. That's the ideal situation. Um, But yeah, ideally it's a bull that's had time to live its life and everything else and you know you harvest it and take it ethically and humanely before you know nature gets to it which is a much worse way to go promise between you know getting suffocated by a mountain lion or you know disease or you know just it's nasty out there people think that hunting is the worst possible thing that could happen to an animal but it's by far the most ethical thing as long as it's an ethical hunter who you know knows their limits and is mm. responsible about their actions it's by far the best way they can go clean quick for sure yeah yeah elk don't die in a hospital bed with their friends and family surrounding them it's <laughs> tubes up their nose it, yeah no it's wolves ripping their guts out and then running across the field and yeah it's nasty nature is not friendly and people seem to want to ignore that fact or just haven't been exposed to it and see how things really are yeah but, you know, whatever, everybody's entitled to their life. I, I truly believe that. And that's why I say, you know, if somebody asks me and they're like, do you think I should go into the military? I say, you need to decide that. And if you decide to do that, here's some shit you should watch out for. All right, we just paused to let that airplane go over. Um, what's your favorite thing to hunt? Elk, by far. Is it because of the animal or the places it takes you? Um, places a big part of it just like fly fishing um you know it takes you to the best spots um they're also big and mean and aggressive and and you're hunting during mating season um males are aggressive yeah you ideally want to catch them in that because it's a little bit easier but um so the season starts on the 25th this year which is going to be pre-rut um the bulls we'll see what's going on the weather's been really weird here the last few years just really hot until late in the season um but during pre-rut the bulls might still be hanging out together in their little bachelor groups and the cows and calves will all be together i was just up a few days ago and that's definitely the situation um but so that's going to require a different hunting technique and then they'll go into more of a rut sort of situation where the bachelor groups will break up and the males will start putting together groups of cows and um yeah they'll hang with them and do the whole rut part of the year and then that kind of once that all finishes up they start breaking up again the cows all stick together and the males kind of start breaking off and heading back into their bachelor groups but you're kind of with archery hunting you're hunting through 
pretty much the rut usually you might get a little bit of the post rut but so it's from the 25th to the 23rd this year i think um, uh october to november august to september august to september yeah oh, so sorry. we'll go up a couple days early we'll set up base camp um do a little scouting around we've been scouting the area a lot recently um so we've got eyes on a bunch of good sized bulls that are kind of in that that age range where they're you know impressive trophies but they've also you can tell they've been around long enough to spread genetics and live their life and everything see yeah, that i take that kind of personally because that's where i am in life <laughs> well you know i don't know how big a trophy i would be but <laughs> the, the world's dangerous chance. game <laughs> exactly <laughs> what are you doing next month man you want to come hang out in the woods for a minute? <laughs> oh, yeah yeah get shot um no i'd love to i'd i'd, I'd uh, you know be the camp bitch just hanging around no nah, fuck that man we'll take you out doing dishes no no that's not how we hunt man we don't <laughs> you know if you're interested in it thank you thank you i am but i think i should start off with the the bow you know like you were saying it's important that the hunter is ethical you know sure. some yahoo out there absolutely learning how to shoot and like hitting animals and they're running off and yep i don't want it to be that guy no definitely not and the yeah. the archery is a good meditation it really is um so just shooting yeah. your bow is going to be enjoyable and the, yeah. the better you get with it i mean the thing i really like to tell people shoot twice as far as you would ethically take a hunting shot huh. so i i'm out at the range probably four or five days a week um and i every time i'm out there i'm shooting at least an hour at 130 yards um, and I'd never, ever, ever take a shot like that on an animal, but taking those kind of shots and practicing at that range makes my hunting range, which is up to 70 yards, a chip shot. It just makes everything right. much easier. Right. So I highly recommend people shoot distance, even though sense. you'd never actually shoot that kind of distance. And do you shoot like uphill, downhill, mm -hmm. different situations? Yep. As yeah. much as possible. Colorado is great. We've got a bunch of archery shops and we've got a bunch of archery ranges. Yeah. Um, so there's a range that's right up in the mountains that you're dealing with really steep angles shooting uphill mm. and downhill and hiking the 3d range and then there's another range that's more flat which i can stretch the bow out a lot more and do the long shots mm. yeah but yeah i'm looking forward to it even even if it never goes beyond target shooting sure. it's, it's fun i had a bow when i was a kid sweet and i uh I had all these fantasies of being an Indian. So it'll connect with a lot of. So you were an Indian, not a cowboy, as a kid. Huh? I was. I always was on the Indian side. I didn't even want a gun because I was like pre-gun Indian. Oh, I would be the kid when we were playing cowboys and Indians. I'd be like in the tree and I'd drop down on you and slit your throat. I was. That's some gangster shit, oh, man. Yeah, and I it's was... real too. I guess there's still people hunting deer like that on out of some Indian tribes, which is just That's all right, hardcore. man. Yeah, I heard. I read somewhere uh, that the way—I don't know if it was the Apache or the Navajo—that they would get those um, those eagle tail feathers mm -hmm. was that they would build a little mm -hmm. hut. You know the story? Is it, so this is true. They dig put, the hole in the ground. Yeah, and they'd put like some sticks and then a dead chicken mm -hmm. or something, whatever, and yep. wait. Yep. And there's a little hole. Yep. And they'd see it come down and then grab it. Yep. Fuck! I know. Can you imagine that? <laughs> Super primitive falconry, kind of. Yeah, it's <gasps> insane. I've heard about that as well. And can you imagine the fury of an eagle that comes down and suddenly it mm -mm. thinks it's it's going to get this meat and instead something grabs it by the legs? <sighs> how, does, how do you not get your shit torn apart with that? You know, I don't know. Because I've been grabbed. I've had 
of red tail the amount of power in their mm. little feet is crazy they're i mean they're my red tail's feet were stronger in my hands and mm. i mean by far without a doubt i wouldn't even compare and the two super sharp claws. yeah and it's going to a tiny little hypodermic point man yeah. and i had a red tail that went through my kangaroo hide glove with one of its talons into my finger and just lock down and there's nothing you can do except just <laughs> just bite your lip and try and stay calm and just wait for the bird to relax but went straight through the glove it's crazy it's just like god damn these things are just poor bunnies man poor little bunnies <laughs> and that's that's a red tail it's a third a yeah. quarter of the size of a golden eagle yeah yeah indians were gangster man yeah yeah lots of hardcore shit and native I americans See, I, but I think it's gone back. I've heard that too. That yeah. some people are like, no, we're Indians at this yeah. point. It's fine. Yeah. Who cares? Yeah. It's like black for a while. Some people said black was Not uncool, okay, but and then what? a lot of black people are like, what are you talking about? I'm black, man. Yeah. I'm white. It's fine. I mean, I'm pretty tan right now. Yeah, yeah. summertime. Dude. Yeah, it's a different story in the winter. Yeah, <laughs> don't get me started on all that shit. I, I, I have very little patience for any of that but yeah i've heard that on a few uh, isaac and i have laughed pretty hard with the, your intro oh you've heard that yeah that yeah. was a good one i la we laughed real hard <laughs> i was in the gym laughing out loud and everybody was like what in the fuck is wrong with that guy i'm like you guys can't hear this but yeah. it's pretty good this guy is being really offensive <laughs> yeah <laughs> just making sure my bluetooth turned is turned on and my phone's just not blaring that out yeah. over the gym yeah exactly <laughs> yeah yeah unfortunately i blared it out it's no it's good man it you know i think it's good i think the sensitivity thing is a big problem with people these days well, i get a lot of uh i get some cover because my wife's african and my brother-in-law is so got, black american so you so got cred like, 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 you know, he's got street cred man he can people say are gonna call wants. me racist like yeah i don't know i don't know it's complicated yep for sure yeah but gangster indian shit the other i mean you may have heard these i love this kind of clever stuff um the bear claw necklaces mm -hmm. you know sometimes you would see uh god that's a loud door um oh and now the dogs are out yeah they're, they're cool though. They they don't really bark. They just sort no, of just howl, and that's all right. That's all right. Uh, the bear claw necklaces. The idea with that is, if you're wearing a bear claw necklace, you killed that bear. Sure. And you had to kill the bear with a spear. Jesus. Alone. Yeah. Grizzly bears, right? Like twelve foot high. Yeah. You know, monsters. Like, They're real life monsters. Yeah. So you yeah. know how they kill them? There's only one way to kill a grizzly bear with a spear. Is this where they get, you get them to charge you and you stick the spear down in the ground so they run into it? Not charge you, but when you scare them, so you hide by some bait, right? Yeah, sure. Because they love the rod, rotting meat. So you yeah. hide in the bushes and, and the bear comes, you you make noise, the bear stands up on its hind legs. That's what they do immediately because mm -hmm. they don't see well, but they smell really sure. well, so they get up high. He gets up, you get under him. Oh my God. Get the point of the spear right at his solar plexus. Mm -hmm anchor it with your foot so the weight of the bear coming down on you is what and if that spear breaks you're fucked in a big time way anyway that's how they killed the bears yeah but then the inuit the way they killed the polar bears mm -hmm. totally opposite technique and this is what i like they take out a little wooden box like maybe six inches cube and fill it leave uh one you know the top off fill it with uh melted um seal blubber mm -hmm. 
and take a seal rib that's been uh, sharpened on both edges, both ends, and they're flexible, so you bend it, you put it in the box. Oh, interesting. Then the seal blubber, put it on the snow, it freezes. Mm-hmm. You knock the cube out, and you've got that you get spring. Get a popsicle. Yeah. Nice. And then it opens in his gut, and you follow the blood find a dead bear see and people bitch about archery and hunting that way. <laughs> yeah. like, could you imagine if that's people not a good still way to hunting die. that way yeah God. yeah yeah that's i haven't heard that one that's good yeah that's pretty clever i i like that guy i have a whole i could talk for hours about clever hunting tricks and shit that people do around the world the east indian monkey trap you know yeah. that one i've heard of a couple different monkey traps which one are you talking about so with the mango in the box and the hole is big enough the monkey can get his hand in uh, but, he but can't he can't get, get, the get mango it out, out yeah won't let go yep you can get raccoons that way too really yep i thought raccoons are smarter than monkeys you'd think so but not really you'd... although you only catch the dumb ones because some of them that's if they good. let it go and walk away you never yeah, know yep that's true hmm i think that's good i think we should have a human traps like that i i think yeah <laughs> I'm not going to. Nope. Nope. Not with this many people listening. (laughs) My friends know how I feel about this, and we'll leave it at that. Yeah. yeah, Yeah. I mean, you know, talking about nature, and it is interesting to see what happens to a species when natural selection no longer functions. Truly. We're not a part of the environment anymore. Yeah. And it's just. And we're destroying it. Yep. And we are a part of it, but not. Yeah, not in balance. Horrible, parasitic part of it. For sure. Yeah. It's not pretty. It's not, I don't know. And I, yeah, I think people need to spend more time outside, but I don't want people going outside because then I run into them in the woods and they're leaving trash and shit. So I don't know. Everybody stay at home and, you know, do your nine to five. I'll I'll make sure, I'll keep an eye on the woods for you guys. What do you think? (laughs) Here's something I've never understood. Maybe you have insight into this. People who go to a lot of effort to go somewhere really beautiful, like mm-hmm. hike into some beautiful waterfall or whatever. Sure. And then leave trash there. It, I cannot understand it. Every time I go into the woods, you, you, anybody is welcome to check me coming out of the woods. I've got trash on me, and it's not mine. Right, yeah. I do um, the same thing. I'll bring other people's trash out. But And thanks for doing that. Everybody who does that, thank you. Please do more of it. And, and fucking shame anyone you see dropping Truly, shit. Truly, say something. It's I've, unbelievable. I have very aggressively <laughs> chewed people out in the woods because I've because most yeah I sniper shit I, most people don't know I'm there and I watch people when they're hiking uh, and stuff so I'll see you're it lurking I just uh, yeah I don't know I don't walk on the trails usually I'm usually off to the side I mean obviously that's dependent on where I'm hiking super popular places you don't want to you know trash it area but if i'm in the backcountry i'm not usually on trails so and i'll watch people and they walk right by and i have no idea i'm there i'm not doing anything weird people are just not very observant mm. um but yeah i've chewed some people out very very severely in the middle of nowhere for leaving trash it's yeah that must be scary having me come out of the woods yelling <laughs> at you <laughs> well, they, they didn't say much back so yeah i'm yeah. sure they were probably peeing a little bit but I I would hope that w- they would think twice before they drop trash again. Yeah, like, it's like fucking guy gonna pop out again. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah. But no, I don't. I cannot understand that mentality. I really can't. But you know, I think it's tied into that whole thing that people do in town, where it's just I'm the only one that matters. Fuck everybody else. 
you know they just have yeah. you know they're you know not worried about the effect they have on other people and it can be as small as just having your speaker phone on for a phone call and walking through a public place yeah if you do that fuck you like yeah. that's crazy sitting in starbucks yakking like it's your right. private office it's just like it's crowded people yeah. there's a lot of people in a small amount of space and we need to be respectful of that yeah. like yeah. Yeah, it's I, I don't know. I mean, it's, this isn't like great podcast machine. No, no, no. We're just ranting about <laughs> assholes at Starbucks. God damn it! <laughs> just two crotchety old guys out on the porch on a beautiful day. The sun's Drinking out. Beer. Yeah, the, in the, afternoon. the dogs are playing, and we're just just going off about people at Starbucks. All right, so, so let's go to some, some real cliche sure. kind of questions. All right, here. cool. Um, like, what did you think of that sniper movie? I'm sure you've been asked that a million times. Um, I have, and I, um, there was Shooter, and then the, the new one was the Chris Kyle one. I'm gonna have all my army buddies so pissed at me for not knowing the name of this. Um, I don't really watch a lot of military movies. Um, and I haven't, I saw Shooter, because that one was out while I was in the military, but I haven't watched the new one. I didn't watch Fury or anything. It just, it triggers me a lot. And yeah. just get you know, don't sleep that night, and yeah. just get all amped up and want to go to the gym and just <laughs> just wreck house or go shoot guns. And I'm trying to back off, you know. I'm trying to shoot arrows and stay calm, cool, collected. Quiet. Yeah, yeah. I'm liking. I understand that. Yeah, I like being peaceful now, and you know, I maintain the skills, and they're there if I need them. But I don't need those right now, and I think it's important to when you get out to realize that those skills are not applicable anymore you know maintain them you worked hard for them um but you know you need to know that that's not necessarily benefiting you in your life now then why maintain them because who knows what's going to happen you know i spent a lot of time fine-tuning my shooting and you know that that goes from close quarter stuff to long distance shooting i spent a lot of time and put a lot of work into getting really really good at that um and i'm proud of it i had fun with it the the 2011 international top sniper competition was one of the most amazing things i've ever done in my life or will ever do it was amazing and i was just i'm yeah it was just one of those moments in my life that was just so fucking cool um, because of the technology and you're doing something that doesn't shit, seem possible um no just just pushing myself that hard and then getting to compete with the best snipers around the world. I was shooting against Spanish dudes and Israelis and Irish mm. guys and Canadians and it was just like holy fuck, like I'm here with, class. with these guys. Yeah, like, yeah. Blah, it was all giddy and you have to like mean mug it and pretend like you're not fucking super excited. But, yeah. you know, and I worked hard for that and I want to maintain it and you know, God forbid anything ever happened. I, you know, part of the I know that I have protector qualities and i want to maintain the ability to do that for for the people who are close to me i was thinking about this the other day i was i was uh camping cassie and i were up on a what's a good pass something like that Ooh, i don't know that sounds foreign uh yeah it's I'm, here I'm probably pronouncing <laughs> the spanish way it's a g-u-e-d-e-l-l-a something like that it's, be, it's between here and crescent it's south of here okay I don't know that one. Like 9,500 feet, something like that. Huh. Anyway, right. we're up there on BLM land camping sure. out. And um, about 25 or 30 Jeeps came down this Jesus. dirt road. And they were all they had the blue flag they were all flying. Hmm. 
And they waved. They seemed, I don't know what they were doing. Sure. I don't know if it was a militia thing or just some dudes out for a ride. They have a little Jeep club. They I, all like blue a lot. Yeah, I don't yeah know. they all like blue. Hmm. And I was thinking like, okay, you know, here, this whole Second Amendment thing, one of the arguments is, you know, an armed populace will never succumb to a dictatorship. Sure. And... Um, <laughs> Oil that fucking door. Dude, I have Jesus. WD-40 in my car yeah, right now. So do I. So do I. <laughs> Two cans. I'll give you one. Uh, <laughs> um, Isaac Isaac Nemchek, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. Isaac Michael Kranz Nemchek. What? Jesus Christ. Got a lot of names. He changes around every Two couple of years, man. I can't, I'm his best friend. I can't even fucking keep up. Anyway, so I was thinking... You know, th- that argument I've heard many times, and it sort of makes sense. I mean, look at how hard, you know, the U.S. tried to subjugate Vietnam. For sure. Forget about it. Yep. Afghanistan, the Russians, for us, forget about it. Afghanistan forever. That part of the yeah. world forever. And it's and all they have are, like, you know, AK-47s or something. The RPGs, all they have. So yeah, yeah sure. now they do. But, but IEDs. and mm-hmm. I mean, it's not like they've got drones and for know, sure. anything yep. like what we're coming at him with so there is an argument to be made that an armed populace is unconquerable if it's really motivated absolutely um do you think that applies here and do you think vets would oh my god would vets fight against the u.s military if you watch mad max Mm, a long time ago the new one oh no no there's some, I haven't seen there's it. some funny memes about <laughs> if anybody ever invaded the u.s and it's got this the picture of all the crazy mad max people chasing somebody down it was like if anybody ever invades the u.s vets would be like and it's just anyway a bunch of because they're all just looking for a reason to <laughs> there's to a get lot crazy. of them are, i'm sure there's but a lot of them but aren't most of them like fat beer drinking <laughs> rude <laughs> like me i'm sitting right <laughs> like here man me. jesus <laughs> you're drinking beer i'm fat that, that doesn't we seem form right. up like voltron we'll be <laughs> yeah. a whole vet man yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly um i it really depends i think that's a big misconception too is everybody's like oh yeah for everybody anybody in the military they you know we're in a combat role and shot people and the reality is that the actual combat forces are tiny compared to the rest of you know people going to the military and the only thing they do is it work or something you know it it really is its own little it's its own world and that was a big realization for me when i first got in i was like holy shit this is like this can operate without anything everything's there so um i think that's one of the big misconceptions and then to get to your point i think that you know there's a lot of people in the military who aren't who are gun shooters and get out of the military and go into normal jobs and might be those beer drinking fat guys but you know i know a lot of guys who are super fucking high speed shooters in the civilian world now so it really just depends mm. there's it's just too much of a generalization yeah but there's sure. definitely a lot of big fat army guys in the service <laughs> and out of them in jeeps <laughs> yeah um in telluride there's these guys driving around in those four-wheel drive mm-hmm. buggies and the guy I was with said, yeah, we call them Texas wheelchairs. <laughs> <laughs> totally fucking true. Oh, my God. Yeah. We were just down in Crested Butte, and it was the same thing. It was like every other plate was a Texas fucking truck with a trailer with one of the side-by-sides in it. It was yeah. just like, this is why I make sure I hunt in, like, no motorized vehicle areas, because it keeps all the Texans out. Mm. Yeah, because they're not walking. <laughs> no, they're not yeah. fucking walking at altitude. No, they die. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but to get to your point about yeah. the defense sort of thing, right, right. Um, I mean, what, what, what it would when you saw the crew of jeeps 
rolling by what was your thought process with that that these are a bunch first of, it was alarm yeah because we're in the middle of nowhere sure. and you know we'd seen like one or two campers within a mile and suddenly they're and like this long Mad line Max brigade. <laughs> also i was taking a shit when i saw the first one i was like oh damn and i like stood up and it's like long invading do we force. need a disclaimer at the front of this, <laughs> this <laughs> the amount the sh- of shit it's like your no. mom's house with all the shit talk. people are used to it <laughs> <laughs> they know what they're uh, getting. Shout out to yeah Tom Segura. Yeah. Jesus. If you want to hear more shit conversation, yep. support me on Patreon. <laughs> uh, um, nice. Anyway, so my first, I was alarmed, uh, like God damn it, and then and then I was like, holy, well, what the what the fuck is this? And then it was like, uh, yeah, it was it was weird. It it felt like an invasion because mm-hmm. they were all equally spaced and going the same speed and wow. you know just cruising along there um and then i thought i don't know is this one of these um you know what do they call them the the brigades the mm-hmm. you know white supremacists you know <laughs> did they have tiki torches attached to the jeeps i didn't see any you might be okay it was daytime when you, when you got the tiki lit. torches zip tied to the back of the jeep you know you're in trouble that's uh, not yeah. a good one yeah um, but did you think about, I mean, if they were hostile, what you, what you do, or was I, there any sort I'd of fear with that? Die. Well, I mean, did you think about that at all? Like, if these guys, you know, wanted to fuck with you or your woman, what would you know? Did you did that cross your mind at all? I felt vulnerable, sure. but I also felt that there was zero possibility of me resisting because mm-hmm. there were twenty five sure. full of dudes, yeah, with guns, and I've got like a can of bear spray somewhere <laughs> in the van. It would take me fifteen minutes to find <laughs> yeah. it. So, yeah. Yeah, it's the one on 25 is never good odds, no matter how good you are. <laughs> and you don't see them coming. Yeah. Yeah. So, binoculars, yeah. dude. You should invest in some binoculars. I've, you see I, them coming I have from them. I have them, I, but I wasn't using them. <laughs> so I was yeah, taking a dump. I, who takes a dump with binoculars? All the time. Man. Yeah. It's the best way to take it's a actually, dump. Actually, <laughs> now that I said it, it sounded so, like yeah, that. Yeah, you're sitting there anyway, yeah. so you get some. <laughs> Get get some viewing time, man. This yeah, tangentially yeah. speaking, right? Yep, <laughs> that's where okay. we are. All right, so let's wrap this up. What did I forget to ask you? Was there was there anything uh, talked about hunting and fly fishing? And I gotta say, know. this is my third podcast today, so I'm, just, I, I'm Rogan in this at this point. Madman, <laughs> how far are we into this? Are we uh, an hour? Poof, yeah. that flight flew by though. Yeah, um, yeah. I don't know. I think my biggest thing is just. I, put it out there to everybody struggle with something you know do something about it you know i i'm medicated and i that was something i never wanted to do and struggled with for a long time and was on and off medication since i got out and the anxiety stuff um yeah and just to just to fucking level me out man just that whole zero to ten thing right gets old yeah, um, and it's I was, exhausting. Yeah, and I was doing as much as I could without medication to deal with that. But, you know, at the end of the day, I can be more of myself again. And, you know, if that takes taking a pill every morning, I'm cool with that. You know, is it the best solution? No, but I also don't want to rip somebody out of their fucking car and beat the shit out of them in the middle of the street for cutting me off. So, you know, my just all I'd say is to the guys who are struggling with that, just figure out what's going to make it better and do it you know if it's you know time outdoors for me i I don't have a fucking regular job because i can't handle that i figured out how to make my life work with 
you know, the challenges I have now. And, you know, to deal with that, I need to be outside. Hmm. So, you know, figure out a way to make things work and realize that you're not, you're not in that situation anymore. And you have to just, that sort of survival mode is just this big, heavy bag you carry around. And at some point you just need to just put it down and walk away from it because you're not there anymore, you know? And it was a part of your life and it will always be a part of your life. And that's cool. There's nothing wrong with that, but it doesn't have to define tomorrow and today. Mm. So, you know, just do whatever you can. There's way, there's ways to get past it. Not truly all the way. You can never all the way get past it, but you can at least be happier. Yeah. It's always there, but it can be behind you. Mm -hmm, for sure. Yeah. Yep. And do yeah. stuff that gets you excited. I'm all over the goddamn place, man. Ask Isaac. And you're moving to Alaska soon. Yep, I am. What's up with that? Um, just, it's the last kind of wild place. And with as crowded as Colorado's getting, I want to, you know, it's another test for me, I think. You know, you go, been there? No. I'm uh, going blind. Uh, I'm just, yep. It's exactly uh, how I like doing it, man. Yeah. Jump in the deep end and figure it out. So. Yeah. Yeah, moving up with my girlfriend and our two girls and my little brother, my my hunting buddy. Sweet. Yeah, we're moving the tribe up there in the spring, so it should be really interesting. Anybody curious about following the adventures, they can follow me on Instagram, but it should be entertaining for What's sure. What's your handle? Uh, Weston Trap, W-E-S-T-O-N-T-R-A-P-P, -P, just at Weston Trap. All right. Anything yeah. else? Any website, anything people should know about? Um, Not for my public persona right now. Maybe at some point we'll see. <laughs> there's my work stuff, and then yeah. there's my public figure, quote unquote, thing. But I don't know. That's it, Instagram's the way I like to interact okay. with people and put my life out there, and I try and keep it there right. so I can still have my life here. That makes sense. <laughs> Weston with an O, trap, T R A P P, on Instagram. And he'll be uh, posting beautiful photos from Alaska as of next spring. Yep. You, I don't know. I don't have any service for a hunting season, but you'll everybody will get a huge download of at least a couple hundred pictures as soon as I get out of the woods. Oh, so. right. You'll be in the woods for a month here. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Full month backcountry. Back, well, I say a full month, but my asshole, my other little brother, decided to schedule his wedding right in the middle of archery season. So Quinn and I are coming down for two days out of the woods. We'll probably be looking pretty rough and yeah, show up at his wedding. and Stinking like yep. shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be good, man. It's the only way I'd show up to my brother's wedding. Get totally trashed. <laughs> exactly. Break but, some stuff. Yep. Well, see you guys later. <laughs> Sorry about that base. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for your time. Hey, thank you, Pleasure man. sitting down with you. Yeah, so, yeah we appreciate we'll, it. We'll do a follow-up at some point. Hell yeah. I'll come up to Alaska. <laughs> yeah, man. We'll yeah. shoot the bow. All right. All right, I hope you enjoyed that conversation with uh, Weston Trapp. Interesting dude, got a lot going on, headed up to Alaska, new start, wish him well. Uh, you can follow him on Instagram, Weston Trapp, that's with an O, W-E-S-T-O-N-T-R-A-P-P. -P. What else did I want to say? Oh, we got a new shipment of t-shirts. So if you've been trying to order a Civilized to Death shirt recently and we're out of stock, they're back. My mom is organizing that garage full of shirts even as we speak. We've got some Vanthropology shirts, a new design. Uh, they should be coming out in the next couple of weeks. We're waiting on Thailand 
from Sure Design t-shirts. All our shirts come from Sure Design t-shirts. And if you order anything from their website, use the discount code. Uh, I think it's a CTD, Civilized to Death, and you get uh, 20% off your whole order, I do believe. Uh, what else can I tell you? We, uh, we love your support. If you support the podcast through Patreon.com, that's the probably easiest way to do it. But there are other ways to support our endeavors, one of which is to use that Amazon affiliate link that's on the right margin of the my webpage. If you use a computer, if you use a phone, I think it's down at the bottom. Just click on that baby and about 5% of whatever you spend at Amazon kicks back to us. No extra cost to you. It's just like finding money on the street, um, but you have to give it to me. That's the problem. You can't just put it in your pocket. So you could just walk by and leave it there, I guess. But uh, you could also pick it up and give it to me. And I sure would appreciate it. Let me tell you. Uh, people ask me about what podcasts I listen to. I just want to recommend a few. Kyle Tierman's podcast is great if you're into surfing and ocean stuff. A lot of times his guests have nothing to do with ocean stuff or surfing. But that's sort of a general theme of the podcast. So you can check that out. We listen to a lot of Malcolm Gladwell's podcast, Revisionist History, when we were driving around on this road trip. I really enjoyed that. Some fascinating insights. Um, of course, Radiolab is great. Everybody knows about Radiolab. But personally, I find it hard to listen to because I just don't like fake conversations and scripted interactions that are meant to be real. There's something about it. I was thinking about this. We we're trying to listen to one episode because the subject matter is so great. Uh, and it makes me uncomfortable the same way musicals make me uncomfortable. And, you know, I know a lot of people love musicals. So if you love musicals, maybe you'll love Radiolab. But for me, when, when I'm expected to believe that there's a conversation happening and there's all this absurdly unbelievable stuff thrown in like for example people are having a conversation and then they just get up and start singing and dancing that doesn't happen in real life so it throws me out of the mindset of of immersion in this conversation or this experience i find the same with radio lab with these scripted you know and then what did he say oh he said this one it's just like come on that's not real and it keeps knocking me out because I feel like I have to constantly be judging what's real and what isn't real. I hope on this podcast, you feel like it's all real. That's my intention. That's my ambition. No bullshit. No trying to sell you anything. And uh, if you appreciate that and find that valuable, I hope you'll support the podcast if you can. In the meantime, this is the beautiful and wonderful Carsey Blanton reminding us to enjoy life while we can because we're going to die one day. Shout out to Justin and Bennett as always. And also, um, just um, uh, an acknowledgement that our dear friend Duncan Trussell lost his dad today. And uh, yeah, we'll be sitting down with him in the next couple of weeks, do a podcast and talk about that and everything else as we always do but while we're talking about mortality and the the brevity of life thought i'd mention that so spare a thought for duncan
Bye. He said, baby, what's a big deal? Feel what you want to feel. Say what you want to say. You're going to die one day. For example, I could kiss you just because I want to. What's the difference if you turn away? I'm going to die one day. Why do you waste your time thinking about your reputation? Trying to meet an expectation, wondering what they're going to say. When everyone you've ever known is headed for a headstone. I don't want to give the end away, but we're going to die one day. Your body is an animal, doesn't ask for much. A little music and a soft touch Why don't you let it out to play Your heart is in a birdcage Singing in your chest You wanna shut it up but give it a rest You're gonna die one day Why do we waste our time Thinking about a reputation Running from a It's a big deal if you want to be free. Say what you want to feel. Spend the night with me. I'm gonna take you up in my arms. And if we must go down, we'll go singing to the smoke alarms. We'll dance into the ground.